This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. James chapter 5, the last eight verses of James 5. And uh, before we go to James 5, I just want to read while you're turning there uh, a few verses that we've already covered before, and that's James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, and it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea that is driven with the wind and tossed. And let him not think that, uh, let him let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now we we have to come to a a message entitled "Real Prayer," and say that the the implication is that there is prayer that is not real. There's prayer that is, that is for us. There's prayer that, that, that we might express something, we might vent something, but it's not truly us asking from God something. It's more of us telling God something. And I want to just start by saying that, that, that all prayer is good prayer. And there's even prayers that I have prayed that God hasn't answered, but He's taught me that I was praying a prayer that, that He wasn't going to answer. And so we need to step back and say all prayer is good, but the, the prayer that the Bible says, the real, authentic, uh, power-filled prayers of the Bible is what we want to look at as a template. And, and in these first three verses in chapter 1, you can see just in way of introduction that prayer is asking. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask. Everyone say ask, okay? You need to ask. And I, and I will tell you that, that God uh, gives us a choice. There's some things that we need to ask for. And, uh, and, and we studied in James 4, 2. We have not because we ask not. And so prayer is asking, but prayer is also trusting. So we're not just name it and claim it, right? We're not just asking and, and, and everything we say is what God gives because He gives to us based on what is best for us. And so prayer is asking, but prayer is also trusting. And then finally, we see in verse 7, which has been a really difficult verse to, to try to understand the heart of God in this, but it, when it says, and let, let that man not think that he's going to receive everything from the Lord, it's saying that you have a choice, you can ask, you can trust, but God has a choice too. And God can give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. And so prayer is surrendering prayer is surrendering. I want to give you three truths, okay? And that, that was kind of an introduction, but, but three truths on what is prayer. So beyond it being asking, that's the basic. It's, it's, it's asking, it's trusting, it's surrendering. Let's say that together. It's asking, it's trusting, it's surrendering. So that's kind of the baseline. We know that moving forward, but, but let's dig a little deeper because James wants us to get some practical, real-life uh, experience and truth about prayer. And I want to give you three in this passage, lots of action items uh, from this passage as well. And the first is that prayer, prayer is a pursuit. Prayer is a pursuit. It's a pursuit. 
It's, it's something that you're pursuing, and more importantly, it's someone that you're pursuing. Now, let me give you an illustration of this, and, and that is uh, when we were on vacation about six or seven years ago. Camden was three or four. I can't remember, but uh, we, we were about to attend a church um, for their late service, and we had gone to brunch, and, and someone at the brunch, I think it was uh, the stewardess or maybe a hostess or whatever, walked up and gave Camden a blue balloon. And Camden had fun with that. And while we were paying and kind of wrapping up and getting ready, uh, he, he took this blue balloon and, and, and uh, started punching in, kind of having, have, having fun with it. And, uh, and, and I, I remember thinking, man, he's getting, you know, it's great to be three. You know, you're getting so much pleasure out of just a simple, you know, five cent balloon. And uh, he's messing with it. We walked outside, walking down the street, and, and uh, it was within walking distance to the church that we were going to. And Camden got distracted or something happened, and his balloon started to float up. And he started to cry. And being the, you know, the dad that wants to fix everything, I said, okay, I got this, you know. And so I got in my little spiritual mode, you know, and I was like, Camden, listen, you didn't lose your balloon. You gave it to Jesus. And Camden looked at me and said, Oh, okay. And then without even skipping a beat, he, he bowed his head and he's like, Jesus, I didn't mean to give my balloon to you. Would you please give it back? <laughs> Just like that. In Jesus' name, amen. He's three years old. I'm like, well, that was unexpected. No kidding. I, and I, I asked Danielle about this last night because it, it was a while ago. And I thought, man, is this really, am I just remembering this right? And she said, absolutely. We turned the corner. We walked into the church. And the lady at the front desk that was, that was greeting the kids, she's like, hey, what's your name? And he said, Camden. And she's like, I have something for him. And she reached behind the desk and she pulled out a blue balloon. And she handed it to Camden. And he didn't look at her. He just bowed his head and said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. He prayed and God answered it. Now, I was just sitting there completely speechless. I didn't have the faith. I didn't think he was actually going to answer that prayer. But he did. You know, it's the faith of a child that pursues God even in the trivial things. It's the faith of a child that says, God, you, you may, this may not be a big deal to everyone else, but God, it's a big deal to me. I don't know what your blue balloon is. I don't know what you're, what, what you're crying about that you haven't prayed about, but can I just say that we all have something that we've that we need to release to God and say, God, in your good time, would you bring it back? Or, or God, in your good time, would you give me what you want me to have? There needs to come a point in time where we have the faith to pursue God even when he's not giving us what we want. To pursue God and realizing that he'll give us what we need. Now, this pursuit is seen in, in verse number 12 of of James 5, and I want you to see this because it, it's really a fantastic uh, way, way that James enters into the topic of prayer. At first, I thought this wasn't connected, but you know, it's interesting, the, 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 the thought process that the Lord uh, kind of gives us, and, 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 and I'm going to really have to hold myself back because tonight I'm talking to the young adults about dreaming big, and we're starting a new series next week called Dreaming Big, and, and, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm so excited about this Dream Big series, and, and, but I've been caught in the tension between I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, and I can do nothing 
without Jesus. I've been caught in that tension, and I believe that our dreams need to be big enough for God to come in and step in and do great things, but, 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 but they need to be dependent on His power. And, and so when we're pursuing God, we need to understand that, that it's not based on what we are saying. In prayer, it's not based on the words we are saying, but it's based on the person we are saying them to. And so in verse number 12, it says this, above all things, so that's a pretty, pretty, you know, incredible statement, above all things. Above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Okay, that's yes and no for, for those of you uh, wondering. Lest ye fall into condemnation. Now, what, how, what does this have to do with prayer? Well, you know what, you know what James is saying through the inspiration of the prayer? He's, he's diving into prayer by saying, hey, this is what prayer is not. It's not trivial. It's not trivial. He says, above all things, don't think that it's your promise or your words that matters more than God's answer. So it's not trivial. Then he says, not only is it not trivial, but it's, it's not a ritual. It's not something you pray by heaven, or if you just say Jesus' name, he'll say it. Oh, you didn't say it. He's not going to answer it, right? It's not, it's not a ritual. Prayer is not just something we do at church. It's not just something we do before our meal. It's not just something we do before bed. It's not, you know, uh, you know Holy Ghost in the face, you know, spray some mace. No, it's none of the ritualistic stuff that churches do. It is a conversation with your Creator. And if we back up and say it's, it's not a ritual... And it's not complicated. He says, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Listen, e- either, either tell God what you're going to say or, or, or don't tell him. Be honest with him or not. But how many of you know God knows when we're not being honest with him? And so there's so many times in prayer I come to God and I've caught myself, even this last week, where I came to God and I was like, now God, you know I didn't mean that. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, you did mean that. Don't, don't, don't try to pull the... Pull the wool over everyone else's eyes, but you can't do it with God. And so we need to come to God, and and it's not complicated to have a a conversation with God. I remember one time, I was living in San San Diego, El Cajon at the time, and I was was with my sister, and and we we were, I was staying there, and, and, and first service in this church, and I'll never forget, the guy walks to the front to pray for the offering, and he grabs this mic, and he goes, he goes, good morning, God, it's Larry again. And I'm like, who, who, what, what's happening right now? I never heard a prayer like that. That guy started to pray for like two minutes, and it was like having a conversation with a friend. I remember as a 17, 16, 17-year-old kid thinking, I think that guy knows God. Like, I think he actually knows him. Like, I mean, they're like on first-name basis, and it wasn't complicated. He was just having a conversation. Now, the whole morning it's me thing was a little weird, but that's okay. There is not a weird prayer and, and, and an, a kosher prayer. All prayer from the heart is accepted by our God. And so if you don't know how to pray, let me tell you, just have a conversation with him. You say, well, I can't see him. I don't feel him. I don't feel like he's hearing me. Listen. In the moments where you feel like he's farthest from you, that's when you need to pray the most. And if we will say it's not complicated, but also, and this is the final one that he's really kind of leaning into, it's not optional. So prayer's not trivial. It's not a ritual. It's not complicated, but it's not an option. 
it's not like, hey, if you pray, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, it's when you pray, when you pray. The expectation is that we will pray. And so if the hope of our prayer, someone once said, is in the way that we have prayed, what is the point of praying? <laughs> like, really, if it's the words you say, someone said the other day to me, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to heaven because I'm not sure the words that I said. I can't remember the words. And I just looked at him and I was I don't remember the words I said. If it was the words we are saying that we remember, then it's dependent on our memory. But friend, I'm not trusting in my words. I'm trusting in the word. I'm trusting in Jesus. And it's my closeness with him. It's my relationship with him that gives me the assurance and so Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 33. Again, you have heard uh, that it's been said in old time, that thou shalt not swear uh, and perform an oath to, the, to thy, uh, the Lord of thine oaths, but say, swear not at all, not by heaven, nor by God's throne. So literally James is just kind of repeating something that his older brother Jesus had said in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so he's like, hey, don't, don't swear by it. And he kind of goes in these degrees. Now, you say, well, we don't have a problem with that. I've, I've never sworn by, by uh, heaven or I've, I've never sworn by, it says, by, by, by the city or the footstool. or I've never done anything like that. Really? Well, I think we all kind of could, could identify with this, and, and I think that I have this problem. You may not have this problem, but a lot of times I make promises to God, and you know, this is one of the reasons I really try not to say stuff like, I swear to God, right? Because th there, there are certain things that you, you want to step back and, and think about what you're saying, because when we make promises to God or on God's name and not ever having the intention of following through with that, there's consequences to that. And, and, and there are moments when we understand the grace of God, and, and in your notes I put again last week's last verse where it says that the Lord is pitiful in mercy, and, and, he, and he's compassionate, and he's weak with those that weep, and he's, and, he, and he's full of grace and mercy, right? But, but it can be that we, we approach the throne of grace, and we take advantage of his grace, and we say, God, you know I didn't mean to do that, kind of like I said, or, or God... You know I haven't done what's right lately, but if you forgive me for that, and if you hear my prayer right now, I'll do better, right? We all have those moments, and that's what James and Jesus are saying. He's like, you're trying to make a deal with God. You're trying to make a transaction with God. The problem is you bring nothing to the transaction. Like you literally are bankrupt walking into a bank saying, I have collateral. And they're looking at you and saying, <laughs> no, you don't. You're, you're walking into it without any merit. And God is saying, this is my relationship with you is not a transaction. It is not conditional. It is unconditional. And the, 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 mis, the, the misconception in churches today, it boggles my mind that pastors would get up and act like it's transactual because friend it is not god loves you he doesn't love you any more or any less because of anything that you've done friend he his love is never ending toward you so we need to get that you say well yeah but afterwards you 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 can reject his favor yes you can but but i i want you to get this i want you to get this principle because if we're always going to be like, well, well, if you get me out of this bind, God, then I'll serve you more. Or, 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 or 
man, if you forgive me because of this really bad thing I did, then I'll never do it again. Well, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But if you're going to try to make a deal with God, it's not going to go well. Christianity is not about negotiating with God. Prayer is not about negotiating with God. It's seeking the face of God. And it's being so grateful for the grace of God. Every moment of our life, we should be living and praying, saying, God, I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me. So here's this principle in a practical everyday experience. And I, and I want to apologize to the ladies because this is from a man's point of view. So you just go with me. I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it. You're smart. You'll get it. But, but this is just how my mind thinks. This is the difference between having a spare tire Jesus and a steering wheel Jesus. I don't know if we have this picture. We, uh, but, but, but a spare tire is something you put on your car in case of an emergency. A steering wheel, if you don't use it, you will have an emergency, right? So, so, so a lot of people want Jesus along for the ride in case they need him, but they're not willing to put him into the driver's seat and let, them, let him steer them. And so, and so this, is, this is that moment, okay, where we have to ask ourselves, kind of like the, the modern-day theologian and poet said, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Okay, I, I don't know if she's a theologian or if Carrie, you know, who knows, right? But it's good theology, you know, I can't do this on my own. You know, and don't, don't act all pious like you don't know what poet and, and songwriter I'm saying. The, the point is, we, we got it, we got it. We, there has to be a moment where we say, listen, I've wrecked my life in my car too many times. Jesus, I'm pursuing you and your direction. And even if, even if I make a turn I didn't think I want would or I want to, I'm going to do it because I'm not pursuing what I want. I'm pursuing what you want. Not my will, but yours be done. So if we're only praying in moments of desperation, I mean, that's good, but it's not the best because Oftentimes, we're, we're, we're letting prayer be the last resort instead of the first priority. In Colossians 1.17, it, 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 it's so clear that in all things, he might have the preeminence. That means he's not in the back seat. He's not in the front seat. He's in the driver's seat. He is the preeminent one. Now, what does this mean? Because a lot of people say, wow, that's really radical. Like, I mean, he's like driving everything in your life. It's, it's the key thought, and it's this. Well, before the key thought, let me tell you this, that we will always be full of ourselves when we seek our own fullness. So if, so if I'm the driver, I will always be empty. But if God's the driver, he will always be filling me up the way that he created me to be full. So here's the key thought. Prayer is to be focused on God's presence, not on revising God's plan. And, and many times I've come into prayer negotiating with God, trying to twist God to, to kind of form, well, you know God, I don't have the money for it or I don't really think that that's my wheelhouse so it's kind of out of my comfort zone so I'm just letting you know I think that's a closed door. And God's like, really? Were you, were you gonna check with me first or are you just kind of pulling the trigger on this thing? So we have to back up and say, God, I'm not revising your plan. If you wanna close the door, you can. If you wanna open this door, I'll walk through it even though it's uncomfortable but I'm really focused on your presence. So here's an action item from this and then we'll go into two. And that is that praying, pursuing God's heart, 
should be the focus. So pray pursuing God's heart more than we seek God's hand. And I'm so guilty of this, church. There are so many things I want from God that I, that I often skip to that step and saying, God, I just want to talk to you about us. I want to talk to you about how we're doing. I, I just want to sit with you for a while. And some of you that are just starting out, it's okay to just sit with God. You say, I don't know what to say to him. Just sit there. Just, just sit and say, God, you know my heart. I, I can't really explain it, God, but you know. You know how I'm feeling. And God, I'm just going to sit here and I, I'm, I'm going to think of things I'm thankful for. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of, I, I'm going to kind of do with the last song, how great thou art. Just, just Lord, my, my soul is just going to kind of pour out how I'm feeling right now. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to sit at your feet before I seek your hand. And, and there needs to be that because prayer is not just a pursuit. Number two, prayer is a release. Prayer is a release. Now, in counseling, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that counselors and therapists will talk about being a release. And, and um, we could go into that. But there are certain things that will bottle up pain and pressure in you. And that's a part of life. That's a part of living in a sinful world. Uh, like, like I said last week, we all have pain. We all have pressure. Those aren't inherently evil things. Um, but I think it's interesting that verse 13 goes from not taking an oath, so don't, don't, don't put the steering wheel in your hands. And then verse 13 says, now let's talk about things that are outside of your control, even if you wanted to control them. Let's talk about that. And so in verse number 13 it says, Is any among you afflicted? Can't control that. Let him pray. Any merry? Well, that's great, but you often can't control that either. Let him sing psalms. Any uh, sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church. Now, when I read this the first time a few months ago, I thought, whoa, 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 hold on, James. Don't you mean if he's sick, let him call a doctor, right? I mean, shouldn't it be like, hey, call a doctor and then call the church? Now, listen, if you're hemorrhaging and you call me, you better hang up and call 911, okay? I want to pray over you, but, but I also want to stop the bleeding. So as I study this out, it is implied. It is implied that you've already done everything you could do. And now this is kind of out of, out of control. Now, let me just pause and say this. We're, we're, we're right across the, the street from Palmdale Hospital. And I have been so thrilled to work with some of our, our healthcare professionals. And I want to pause in the service, and, and, and I just felt led to do this. If you are a medical professional or, or a healthcare professional, would you just raise your hand for us? Would you Let's thank these, okay? We have some nurses and, and some that work uh, in our hospital. And, and, and by the way, they're ministers of grace, common grace, but they're ministers of grace, whether they like it or not, whether they know it or not, they're ministers of grace of the healing of God. God uses doctors and nurses to bring healing. But what happens when the doctors and nurses have done everything they can do? What happens when they, they, they can't get everything right? What happens when there's a prognosis that the doctors just say, I'm sorry, well, there's nothing more we can do? This is what James says. James says, I, I, want, you to, I want you to get everyone together, and, and, and I want you to call on God. Yeah, call a doctor, but don't forget to call on God. 
And, and, and he says, I, I, want you to, I want you to do this. Verse 14, let's continue reading. Let, the, let them, so, so the men of the church, the people who are, who are spiritually mature, not to use it as a moment of showboating or whatever, but the, but the men who are spiritually mature, not talking about age as much as it's talking about the, the, the leaders of the church, uh, the presbytery, if you want to say it that way, um, let them pray over them, anointing them with oil. We've done this before, and we'll continue to do it for anyone who wants it. Um, but anointing someone with oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, before you la- ladies start twitching for your vials, okay, we're not talking about essential oils, okay? Now, if you, if you want to use essential oil, that's fine, but, but, but generally it's olive oil. There's some pictures, there's some symbolism there, okay? So, so if you want to use oils, I'm not against oils. Uh, don't try to use them on your car. I, I saw this meme the other day, uh, it said, that was the moment Linda realized that essential oils couldn't fix her engine, okay? So it can't fix everything, and, and there needs to come a moment where we call on whose name? The name of the Lord, the end of 14. It's not about the oil, it's not about the moment, it's about calling on the name of the Lord. Say, what happens if we call upon the name of the Lord and nothing happens? Well, what's the word pray? When it says pray over him, Call upon the name of the Lord. What is it talking about? The word pray, pray here is a, is a compound word, kind of like we talked about last week. But it's uh, prasukemai. And, and it's where we get to lay prostrate on the floor, to, to be you know, humbled before God. But, but prasuko is, is the word to, to turn to, to hold to, to give your full attention to. And ekomai means to ask or to wish. It, it's, it's to push your desire and your wish closer to God than it is to you. And so prayer is, is in its proper place, putting our attention in God's direction. We were never made to carry the glory that only belongs to Jesus. We were never meant to, 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 to hold the, the, our struggles on our own. And so we need to release a couple things. And, and, and uh, letter A, we need to release uh, success and struggles. What's good What's good and, 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 and the things that are good, that's great. But if you start taking credit and glory for that, it'll be, it'll be difficult. Glory tastes great going down, but it always makes you sick. And so we need to, we need to release those, those successes to the Lord, but we need to release the struggles. It is such a burden uh, that, that, that we have on our, on our society right now. and We were never... Rated. We were, our capacity was not rated to carry the burden that we are facing as a society. So people are constantly cracking out of pressure. And that's why you have relationships destroying and, 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 and people seeking, seeking lots of other things to try to self-medicate because, because they're, they're, they're trying to bear their struggles alone. So here's a key thought. The most important things to release to God in prayer are many of the toughest things that have been uh, hard to face. They've been hard to face. And so give God, here's an action item, give God the credit that you've been subconsciously taking for something good in your life. And if you give God the credit for the good things, guess what? He takes the brunt of the bad things as well. And so tell God that you trust Him with whatever area that you've been fearful uh, to address. So prayer is a release. It's a release of success and struggle. Letter B, it's a release of sin and offense. Of sin and offense. 
So verse 15, just continuing verse by verse, it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Well, wait a second. If it's not in faith, does that mean the Lord doesn't answer? No, it's, it, it's saying that if it be the Lord will, the Lord will raise him or her up. If ye have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. So, so now we're realizing that we're moving from the physical sickness and ailments that we can't control to the spiritual ailments and, and sickness. And, and so I want you to see this because the word sick here is a completely different word than, than the word sick in, in verse 13. Totally different word. The word uh, in verse 13 means to be physically ill, to, to actually have a virus, okay? Very practical for what we're dealing with right now. And so, but this word is cam, cam, camno. It, it means to be weak, to grow weary, to lack strength. Now here's a key thought. Spiritual healing, and I want you to mark this down. Spiritual healing can only come when we stop concealing what we've been fearful to reveal. If you're concealing what you fear revealing, you will always, what, what happens is it seals your wound, it doesn't heal your wound. And, and, if, and if you're not willing to, to, to open that up and address the, 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 the offenses and address the bitterness and address what has happened in your life, if you're never willing to talk about it, and if you're not willing to, to, to pour the, the truth and grace of God into that wound, it will get infected spiritually. And I've, and I've dealt with that. And I hate getting into counseling where you have to kind of peel a scab off um, to, to let that wound breathe and address it. But some of you medical professionals, you know that, that if you just put a bandage on an affected wound, you're going to lose a lot more than, 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 than you would have if you hadn't just taken the time to, to clean it out and address what's there. So Proverbs talks about this in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever uh, confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And so James 5.16 says, brethren, we're just kind of going verse by verse. It says, brethren, um, let, let me find my, my place here. Uh, verse 16, it says, if uh, confess your faults to one another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. So you say, what, what, what does this mean? Does it mean we have to have an open mic and just kind of come up and this thing on. Um, this week I did some things I need to tell you guys about. Listen, that, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but, but that's not a necessary thing. You know who the first person is you need to tell and confess? The word confession means to agree. First person you need to agree with about your sin is God. The second person you need to agree with about your sin and talk to your sin about is the person that you offended. The person that you offended. You know, there's there's sometimes you offend someone, you don't even know it. I don't know if I've offended anyone, but if I have, man, I want to know it. I, 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 want, I want to make it right. And that's the spirit that we should have is just to say, listen, let, let's make this thing right. Let's release the offense. Let's release the sin. And so verse 19 talks about this. Brethren, if any of you do err, that means to wander astray or be deceived or misguided, to drift. If you err from the, from the truth and one convert him, the word convert is to turn back, to say, hey, whoa, 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 you're drifting, come on. If anyone does that, then let him know that he, verse 20, which converted, turned back, the sinner from error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You want to deal with sin? Just be honest about it. 
Just be open about it. And the truth will set you free. So when he says confess your faults among you and pray for one another that you might be healed, he's not talking about gossip prayer. He's not talking, let's pray about this thing that's been going on in her life. Because, you know, we don't have anything to do with it, but we do know about it. So let's pray about it. That's not what he's saying. That's damaging. He says, no, be, be open and honest. You see, when a, broken, when a bone is broken, it needs to be healed. The word healed here is to be restored, reset, better than before. I think we have some pictures of broken bones. And, and when a bro- bone is broken, it, man, it has to be properly reset uh, before that bone can grow. You don't want to just let a bone grow back broken. No way. You got a dog leg arm. You know, you, you, you want it to be straight. You want to you fix it. And so there's conversations I have all the time with people and and I don't want to wound them, I don't want to hurt them, but I have to kind of reset and say, hey, listen, this is what the Bible says, this is what truth is, and and, and I'm not trying to be mean or or mean-spirited. I actually love you enough to say this and it's important to know that it's just as wrong to allow those we love to drift from the truth without a warning as it is to harshly condemn those. The harsh condemnation is not from God. But the total apathy and not being willing just to say, hey, I love you enough to say that that you're not walking in the truth. And so friends, I just want to be honest and open enough to say, listen, we need to walk in the truth. And a part of that is just saying, hey, how can I pray with you? How how can I I help you to get closer to Jesus? Because prayer is a pursuit and prayer is a release. Here's the action item, release an offense to the Lord. Just release an offense, something that's happened uh, in your past, something that's happened that, that you've just held on to. Release that offense to the Lord and allow Him to deal and to heal the hurting person who has hurt you. You know, every person who hurts you has hurt you because they were first hurting. Hurting people hurt other people. And so it's important for us to understand, listen, God, I'm going to put that hurting person in your care. You are the judge. You are the jury. Vengeance is yours, not mine, okay, but it's yours. And so prayer is a pursuit, prayer is a release, and then finally we're finished. Prayer is an attitude. Prayer is an attitude. And an attitude addresses how you feel and how you view life. It says in verse 16, the last part, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's say that together. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So here's a key thought. Prayer is not a list we check. It is a way we live. If we would just realize that it's not something we're just, well, I prayed. No, it, it, it's every breath constantly praying without ceasing. It's, it's, it's praying about everything. It's, it's coming to God with an attitude of passion, effectual prayer, uh, uh, being, being all about prayer. Everything's about prayer. You're passionate. It, it's, a, it's an attitude of power, availeth much to be strong, uh, to, to be an overcomer of weakness and, and saying, God, I just need your power to overcome. Energio is, is the word there. Um, and, and, and the power from prayer, it's, it, it's promised and, and, and it's promise not just to you but to anyone who decides to use it and so the final example as we close out the book of James is Elijah and it says in verse 17 Elijah was a man subject like subject to passions that we are and prayed earnestly that it might not rain it's interesting he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months that's a long drought he prayed again and the heavens 
gave rain and the earth brought forth fruit. What this isn't telling you is that, yes, it's talking about an attitude of persistence. But I want you to go back and I want you to read, I put it in your notes, 1 Kings 18. Because a lot of us don't realize that, that Elijah had just gone to battle. It was one against 450. And Elijah decided to go to battle with those guys. And do you know what? He won because God wanted him to. It's shocking to me that Elijah has just come out of the greatest battle of his life. Not only that, he's just prayed the most powerful prayer he's ever prayed. James doesn't mention that. James doesn't mention the, the, the prayer that he just prayed in, in, in 1 Kings 18 where fire fell from heaven. James doesn't mention that. How, how come James doesn't mention the fact that after he prayed, he was able to win against 450 skilled soldiers? See, because prayer isn't about the power of the sword. It's about the power from God. You see, what was more of a practical, James is a very practical example of prayer, was this story. And I, I don't have time to read it. I want you to read it. But he, he, goes, he goes to the end of the battle. He's all depressed because he feels like, yeah, we won that one, but now I'm going to lose my life. And he sits down in, in verse 42 of, of the text and he puts his head in his knees, starts to cry. You ever been there where you're just like, done? Just done. He starts to cry and he tells his servant, are there any clouds in the sky? The servant says, no, there's none. That's what I thought. There's none. But you know what Elijah did? He just kept praying. There was no cloud in the sky and he kept praying. Then he said, go back out there after the seventh time. And there was just a little cloud. And he, and he didn't say, little cloud. He realized, okay, God's, God's doing something. It may be little, but he's doing something. I'm going to keep praying. And so he kept praying. And finally, the little cloud turned into a big cloud. And that big cloud turned into, in, in verse 45, dark clouds of rain. And I love this because Elijah started running. He started running toward Ahab. He, he, he used to be running away from trouble. Now he's running toward trouble. Why? Because prayer will give you the confidence that you don't have otherwise. And prayer will give you the, the ability to say, God, if you're doing something little, you can do something big. And I'm ready for you to move. And, and you might just have a little cloud. And there might be a little space of where God's not doing anything. But if I could just encourage you to keep praying. And to keep praying. Even when you don't see what God is doing, keep praying. When that little cloud shows up and and, and, and you see it, just know there's great rain coming. And there's nothing I want more for everyone here and everyone listening and, and watching online. There's nothing I want more than the grace of God to pour out into your life and the rain of God to come down and, and to wash away those things that you're holding on to and the, the shame and the guilt. There's nothing I would want more. But I just want to say as we close that there is a God in heaven who's just waiting, saying, I, I can't, I don't want to pour out into a self-filled, self-destructive life. And so if we will pray, let's pray this way, four ways and then we'll pray and close. Four ways 
Pray pursuing God's presence. Pray releasing sin and struggle. Pray always with a fervent attitude. And pray yielding to God's purpose and plan. See, the power of prayer is not in the goodness of the one praying, but in the grace of the one listening. Jesus is listening. Even when you don't think he is, he's listening. And so here's the takeaway. Prayer is all about the process of pursuing God. Let's say that together. Prayer is all about the process of pursuing God. If you will continue, just keep praying. Keep seeking God's face. God's going to show up in ways that you never anticipated. Family, prayer changes things. But if we're not willing to pray, and if we're not willing to seek God's face, we're left to our own power, our own devices. Let's not live powerless, prayerless lives. Let's live lives that pray. You say, I don't have 40 hours a week to pray. It's not about how much you pray. It's about how much you're not praying. Every day of your life needs to be every breath of your life. Lord, help me. Help me, God, please help me. Everything you're doing, every breath needs to be a breath of prayer to God. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.